0: Episode 792. Now that the Green Bay Packers have released Ego Ferguson, will they select a defensive lineman in the NFL draft? We'll explore options with Scott Wright of Draft Countdown. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning Green Bay Packers fans and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host Brian Caravu, and we're talking about the NFL draft today. To do that we're joined by a guest. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Scott Wright of DraftCountdown.com. Mr. Wright, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on the show. I think uh, this is maybe three or four consecutive years we've had you on, so excited to talk about the NFL Draft. Uh, We're going to have a defensive line theme today, and in uh light of the packers releasing ego ferguson and whether they might uh draft a defensive lineman so scott let's let's start with this is there any chance whatsoever teams could be scared off by solomon thomas of stanford his lack of experience and his tweener body type and that he could possibly fall to green bay no,
1: I, I don't think so. I should have, <laughs> have Solomon Thomas as my number four overall player in the entire draft, and I am going number two overall to the San Francisco 49ers. For me, in my rankings, I have two players that I gave my elite grade to. Uh, Miles Garrett, the defense ranking Texas A&M, going to be the number one overall pick, and then Leonard Furnett, the running back from LSU. But then after that, I think there's a drop-off. I think you could probably take the next six to eight players, and you might get as good of a player at at 12 as you do at four, and uh, I think Solomon Thomas is very much in that mix. And I think it's a little bit of a misconception that he's a, a, a defensive end, defensive tackle tweener. Was he used like that at times in college? Yes, he was, and he's capable of kicking inside in certain situations. But, but he's more. I, I think he's more of a defensive end outside linebacker than he is a defensive end, defensive tackle. Uh, he, he's a much better athlete, I think, than people give him credit for. Uh, he ran. He ran a sub four seven uh, at. at combine he tested very well at uh, 273 pounds so uh, doesn't have the length Garrett has but uh, actually tested similar in terms of the speed and the athleticism so uh, I think Solomon Thomas is going to be long gone before the Packers and and I'm a big fan of his uh, not only in terms of talent but but these tangibles I think he has to, to the work ethic uh, the motor to match to, to live up to his uh, uh, to maximize his potential so I think Solomon Thomas can be a top 10 pick, but if he were there for the the Packers, he'd certainly be a great fit for them.
0: (laughs) I knew it was a long shot, but I thought I'd ask anyway. (laughs) It seems more likely a player like maybe Malik McDowell of Michigan State would be available late in the first round. So Scott, should a team like the Packers be scared off by his 2016 season? And do you think he's worth taking as early as late in the first round?
1: I don't know if the Packers should be, but I think the, a team like the Packers will be. I, I just don't think he strikes me as a Ted Thompson type of player. And there's no denying the talent of Malik McDowell. He's 6'6", 295 pounds. He carries it extremely well. He's a great athlete. This is more of that defensive end, defensive tackle tweener, um, a, a guy who can play inside or outside depending on, upon the scheme, whether it's 3-4 or 4-3, but um, has some maturity issues. There's some off-the-field concerns with him. Even going back to his high school days, I believe there was some controversy with him coming out of high school when he signed his letter of intent and uh, didn't have the type of big junior campaign that everyone was expecting. So uh, I don't think there's any question he's a first-round talent. He could slide into the second round, though. Um, very much going to be a boomer bust type of prospect. and uh, It just doesn't strike me, though, as a Ted Thompson type of player.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Scott, I look at the Packers losing a player like Julius Peppers in the offseason, and I look at Taco Charlton of Michigan as a player that has a similar body type, very tall defensive lineman. Do you think he can have that type of impact?
1: Not really. And the guy I actually have been comparing to Julius Peppers in this draft is Miles Garrett, who's going to be the number one (laughs) overall pick. So, you know, Julius Peppers is kind of a special breed. Uh, I, I think he might be the best pure uh, deep pass rusher to come along. Uh, Garrett might be the best pure pass rusher to come along since Peppers. So um, th- that's pretty rarefied error, But the Packers are going to have a lot of options when it comes to adding a pass rusher. They need to do that to losing Peppers. They need to bolster their their pass rush. And uh, and, and this is the type of year where you know, everybody's in need of pass rushers. That's a position where everybody's looking for help. And yep. and. There's enough depth this year where you're going to be able to get a good one still, not only in the first round, but the second round, even the third round. I wouldn't even be surprised into the fourth round if you can get a pretty good pass rusher. So um, there's more depth than usual. Taco Charlton from Michigan specifically, I'm, I've never been quite as high on him as some, and he's a very good player. and certainly that frame is really intriguing. He's 6'5 half, 280 pounds almost. Not a dynamic athlete, though. He's not going to be an elite edge pass rusher. Um, the guy he kind of reminds me of coming out of college was Chandler Jones in that he's kind of this raw ball of play where you can mold him into whatever you want him to be. You want to bulk him up. You can make him a, a base end or a five technique. You want him to trim down. You could try to make him an outside linebacker. I just don't know that he has the, the pure pass rush potential that, that Chandler Jones did. And another similar player that I actually like uh, maybe at a, a, a better value point in the draft would be Deshaun Hall from Texas A&M. You gave me the option between getting Taco Charlton in round one or Deshaun Hall from Texas A&M in round two or three. I might prefer Hall just from a pure value perspective. But, uh, but Charlton, I think if he's there, he's going to be one of those guys in the mix. And I absolutely think outside linebacker is going to be one of the top two or three priorities for the Packers going into this draft because not a whole lot to speak of beyond Clay Matthews and his Terry.
0: Yeah, I like Deshaun Hall as well, but let's stick with the Michigan vein here for a second. How about Charlton's teammate Chris Wormley? What's his ceiling? I really like Chris Wormley. He's
1: he's been one of my personal favorite prospects in this draft from the get go. And um in you know, he's not the sexiest prospect. He's not gonna be this double digit sack artist. Um and his game he's not gonna put up Huge numbers in the box scores, but he's just a good all-around football player. And the guy I compare him to uh, is Chris Jones, who was an early second-round pick to the Chiefs last year, had a really nice rookie season, uh, similar type of frame. He's 6'5", 300 pounds, a really good athlete. Uh, another player who has experience playing end and tackle, uh, so he gives you that team versatility and positional versatility. Uh, I-, I think when all has been done, Wormley's got a shot to into the back end of the first round. There's such a fine line between being the 30th pick and the 50th pick of the draft. So he's very much in that conversation. I think when push comes to shove, he's probably going to end up being more of a early to mid-second round pick, but he's going to be a great value at that point. And I'm a big fan of his and just a really good football player. I think he's one of the safer bets in the class to have a long, productive career, even though he might not be a perennial pro and a big-time sack producer. He's going to be a really good player for a long time.
0: We're talking to Scott Wright of DraftCountdown.com here at RailBird Central on a Friday morning. Scott, what's your opinion of Larry Ogunjobi of North Carolina Charlotte, and what do you think is the earliest he'll come off the board?
1: Yeah, and I think he might go a little earlier than than a lot of people expect because he's certainly not a household name playing at, at Charlotte, and. I remember last season, and he was he was on the radar, and you know that the opportunities to see him play are going to be few and far between. So they played Louisville on television early in the season. So I made a point to watch that, and I think it was their first game of the year. And they wound up getting beat really bad. I mean, I think Louisville hung seventy on them or something like that. <laughs> but what impressed me with Larry Ogunjobi is that even late in the game, when they were getting beat down, he was still playing hard, and and you like to see that. Uh, and, and he very much fits the mold, I think, of the Packers type of defensive lineman. I think he's he like a Mike Daniels type of player where he um, doesn't have that uh, prototypical length that you look for, but just a really good all-around player. Probably a little better run stuff from the pasture but uh, another player, who talk, it's kind of a theme here we're talking about when it comes to the Packers, but versatility, 4-3 three or 3-4 three, defense. He's got that, uh, he could either be that uh, defensive tackle or that 5 technique, and and he kind of reminds me a little bit to uh, 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 to a certain degree uh you know of like that Mike Daniels they they signed Ricky Jean-Francois maybe a short term solution so uh, i think Ogunjobi Jovi in the maybe second round but i don't think he's going to get all the third round certainly no lower than the fourth that's his range uh but when I'll send done i think i have him in the third round in my most recent mock draft
0: all right, you mentioned Mike Daniels, Scott, so uh, that kind of leads me into this question. The Packers have a history of drafting players from Iowa, not only Daniels, but Brian Belaga, Micah Hyde, so that gets me thinking about defensive lineman Jaleel Johnson in this year's draft class. What do you think he can provide in the NFL?
1: Yeah, and, and, and somewhat of a polarizing prospect to, to a certain degree with Jaleel Jones, Uh Argeal Johnson, excuse me. There's some people who feel he's maybe even a fringe first-round pick. I think that's really rich. Um, he's not, even though he he had a pretty productive year in terms of impact plays behind the line of scrimmage as a senior with 10 tackles for a loss and seven and a half sacks. Really not that type of player. He's more of that space eater, uh, really powerful. He's a big body in the middle. Just not going to give you a lot from a pass rush perspective. Um, and, uh, and and certainly that's an area, I think, where the Packers need some help. They need a nose tackle. So I think he's going to be an option, maybe as early as the second round, but probably no later than third. I think that's going to be dual Johnson's range, and, uh, and he's going to be one of the top nose tackle, pure nose tackle prospects in this draft. And, and and I think you can make an argument, the top pure nose tackle prospect in this draft. So maybe that pushes him up a little bit. He came in at the combine, 62 and 5'8", 316 pounds. So he's got the bulk you look for in the interior to – take up blocks, and and, uh, and, and, uh, and 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 kind of bolster the interior. But one of the concerns, too, is he didn't lift very well in the scouting combine, uh, which is a concern for those offensive and defensive linemen. You want to see them uh, lift well, and he was, I think, one of the poorest performing defensive linemen in that regard. So a little bit of a red flag there, but I think he'll be a day-two pick.
0: All right, a lot of my questions have been about high-round draft choices, so going to test your knowledge here. Obviously, this is not a big-time prospect, but it was reported just yesterday, I believe. The Packers are bringing in Mississippi State defensive end Jonathan Calvin for an official visit. Scott, do you know anything about him? I, I can't blame you if you don't know much.
1: No, absolutely. He's been in my rankings from uh, from the start, I believe. Okay. Uh, and he's, he's similar to some of these other Mississippi State linemen we've seen in recent years where, they don't necessarily have the ideal length you look for. They're a little short and squatty, maybe don't have the arm length. Not necessarily dynamic athletes, but their athleticism and speed play up a little bit. And I, I kind of think back to a Pernell mcbee type of player. Um, I, I guess a poor man's Pernell McPhee, for those who remember him. And uh, that, that's I guess that would be my comparison for Calvin. He's a former Juco player um, and he had a pretty productive past season. He had 11.5 tackles for a loss and seven hacks. Seven sacks as a senior, Um, so he's not going to test really well. He's not going to be the most productive guy, and that's probably going to keep him out of the draft, but he's going to be an intriguing guy uh, as a priority free agent, and and I think he's got a chance to make a roster. Probably not as a front-line guy, probably more as a depth backup guy, but he's got some pass rush potential, even if he's not going to wow you with his pure physical tools.
0: Very good. Uh, Scott, before we let you go, do you have anything to promote? Any upcoming articles uh, our listeners can check out at DraftCountdown.com or anything like that?
1: Yeah, well, the big thing is I just recently updated the, the mock draft, so uh, check that out. Three rounds, a lot of in-depth analysis, all, 107 picks in all. Um, check out the rankings, in-depth rankings, career stats for all of the players. Uh, I recently did a podcast on uh, my annual small school show with uh guests Cooper Cup from Eastern Washington and Grover Stewart from Albany State. And uh lastly you can also follow me on Draft uh, on Twitter at Draft countdown.
0: Sounds good. We'll send our listeners there. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. We greatly appreciate it. We love to have you on the show every year and we'll have you back on next year.
1: It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Take care. Scott Wright of NFL Draft Countdown joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's forthcoming craft beer bar, of which I am the prospective owner. We've started a GoFundMe campaign to raise startup capital for the project and hope you'll consider contributing. Here's a clip we created for the campaign. Please take a listen. Hey everyone, this is Brian Caravu, and hopefully sometime soon you'll know me as the owner of Beer Rock, a craft beer bar in Madison, Wisconsin. You might be asking, what the heck is a Beer Rock? Well, it's the family recipe of my wife Amanda and it's going to be the signature item on our menu. In its simplest terms, a Beer Rock is similar to a pasty, except better. It's a savory pastry filled with beef, sauerkraut, onion, cheese, and seasoning. At least that's the traditional version. We also plan on having other various interpretations. How does a Korean Biroc with pork and kimchi sound? To make this a reality, however, we need your help. We're looking to get a small business loan to do all sorts of things like lease a property and buy all the equipment we need. That's why we set up a GoFundMe campaign. Your donation will go towards the equity needed to secure that loan. Once that's done, the dominoes will start falling. Best of all, we've created several reward levels to thank you for your generosity. They range from branded t-shirts to free food and drink on premise. So please take the time to explore and thank you for your consideration. We hope you become one of the founding members of B-Rock and Bottoms Up. To contribute, please visit GoFundMe.com slash That's GoFundMe.com slash B-I-E-R-O-C-K.
1: What the hell's going on out here?
0: I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, what prompted today's discussion of rookie defensive linemen was the Green Bay Packers' release of Eagle Ferguson, which was a short-lived experiment. To explain what happened, the Packers originally, of course, put in a waiver claim on Ferguson from the Chicago Bears, but once Ferguson came to Green Bay, he failed his physical and the Packers subsequently waived him again. This is only speculation, but I'm guessing it had to do with Ferguson's surgically repaired shoulder. He missed the entire 2016 season, having been placed on injured reserve when he hurt his shoulder in the preseason, requiring surgery. That being said, he was also placed on injured reserve in 2015 as well with a knee injury. It wasn't specified which injury it was, just that he failed a physical. But to the Packers, this was a low-risk experiment, Uh, maybe a no-risk experiment. They don't owe Ferguson any money whatsoever, but they might have to go back to the drawing board now on the defensive line if they want to add some depth and it's looking more and more like they're going to have to do it with rookies if they want to do so. So that's why we talked to Scott Wright specifically about big defensive linemen, maybe not edge pass rushers so much. Um, We'll save that for another episode, Uh, but big-time defensive linemen, big bodies. Um, So anyway, in other Packers news, Second-year running back Don Jackson signed his contract with the Packers on Wednesday, which was a mere formality. The Packers had previously offered Jackson a tender as an exclusive rights free agent shortly before the start of free agency, basically his only option. It just took several weeks for Jackson to put pen to paper and officially sign the contract, probably upon returning to Green Bay after you know taking off for the offseason season. Jackson's 2016 season, you might remember, ended on injured reserve after suffering a knee injury. He played in three games for the Packers last year, getting just a handful of carries as a midseason pickup. But as, as far as his future goes, he becomes just the third true halfback on the Packers roster in addition to Ty Montgomery and Kristen Michael. We've heard Packers coach Mike McCarthy say the Packers are going to add more running backs before the month of May is over. So Jackson is going to have plenty of competition. The advantage he has is that he has a year of experience under his belt and a year getting to know the Packers offense, but he's far from a lock for the roster. Um, he'll have he'll he'll have to earn his spot in the rotation and it'll start when the program off-season program begins here shortly in just a few weeks i think something like 2 weeks away or maybe only a week and a half until they begin their workouts um in phase 1 of the off-season program we'll talk more about that when it starts and I'd be remiss if I just if I didn't note this 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 morning as it came across my social media feed. Uh People Magazine reports that Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers and celebrity celebrity girlfriend actress Olivia Munn have broken off their relationship. I don't really follow these things, nor how reliable an outlet People Magazine is of news. I know so many celebrity gossip outlets tend to speculate and deal in rumor that it's difficult to get the truth sometimes, but I've done my part passing along what I know. I guess we'll see if we get any follow-up from Aaron Rodgers himself. That's going to be as much as I'm going to contemplate or speculate on the topic. Feel free to take this where you will on your own, and I've already seen plenty of people do so on social media as uh, the story goes viral, so to speak. But uh, I'll just leave it there as I don't care to comment too much on a player's re- personal relationship. Uh, but it is notable being the face of the franchise. And if it wasn't Aaron Rodgers, it might not be mentioned at all. So there you go. Uh, but we press on here on Rail Bird Central. The day ahead. It's actually a pretty busy Friday for the offseason. Let's start by noting it's the final day of university-hosted Pro Day workouts, to my knowledge, unless there's been others added that I don't know about and that could happen at some small school or something like that. The final colleges to put on workouts on Friday include TCU, Tulane, and Portland State. Uh, I know Tanzel Smart, a defensive lineman out of Tulane, will kind of be the one of the players to watch in this. Uh, among those schools, TCU has a couple other prospects as well. None really highly rated, but a few mid-round prospects too. Uh, So Packers scouts will be wrapping up their campus visits with those dates. Now, sometimes players that have been injured that are entering the NFL draft hold individual workouts, but I consider those different from university-sponsored pro days if you were wondering about the difference. So uh, you may hear about pro day workouts. It just kind of depends how you want to quantify them uh, in the days before the NFL draft coming up here. Uh, But also coming to a close is the Green Bay Packers 2017 Tailgate Tour, which we talked about at length in our last episode of Railbird Central on Wednesday. After visiting Houghton, Michigan on Thursday evening, there's only two stops on the tour left. Tonight, on Friday night, they visit Rhinelander, Wisconsin. And then on Saturday, the tour concludes with a stop in Iron Mountain, Michigan, with several stops at local schools and and uh, charitable organizations along the way. Once again, tickets are required to attend the tailgate tour, and you can find details about where to purchase tickets and their availability at the Packers official website at packers.com. I'll send you there uh, because each t- stop on the tour is a little bit different in terms of where they sell tickets and Are they available? So I can't pass along all that information here. Also, both Saturday and Friday, Lambeau Field and its atrium in particular are hosting the Mills Fleet Farm Spring Sports Show. On Friday, it's from 10 o'clock a.m. to 6 o'clock p.m. And then on Saturday, it's from 9 o'clock a.m. to 3 o'clock p.m., of course, local time. Uh, but you might want to note on Saturday in particular, there are several former Packers signing autographs, including Leroy Butler, Jared Aberderis, and Bill Schrader, all going to be in attendance. Um, so um, if you want to check that out inside the Lambeau Field atrium this weekend, that's kind of a, a cool event that uh, making use of Lambeau Field during the offseason season the the Mills Fleet Farm Spring Sports Show a lot about hunting and fishing and and uh, demonstrations and uh, you know equipment for sale all those kind of things taking place there and then we have one somewhat offbeat piece of news here to wrap up our day ahead segment former Green Bay Packers running back Eddie Lacy announced on social media. That he'll be holding a rummage sale this weekend where he lived in Deep pier Wisconsin, a suburb of Green Bay, essentially bordering it. You'll remember that Lacey signed with the Seattle Seahawks as a free agent in the offseason. And he's selling off stuff he won't be take- him, taking with him to his new home, presumably. Lacey said he'll reveal the exact address on social media, so you'll have to give him a follow on Twitter or some other uh, method if you're truly interested in going. But he did announce the hours as 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. on Friday and 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on Saturday. Lacey also announced that he's donating all the proceeds to charity and that he'll give any unsold items to Freedom House in Green Bay A nice gesture for a departing player. So there you go. I'm not sure I've ever heard of a professional athlete holding a rummage sale before, which I guess humanizes Lacey. Um, But that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central pretty much. So we continue on with our draft previewing here at Railbird Central. We talked at length about defensive linemen in today's episode. And we'll continue on talking more draft topics on the upcoming Monday episode of Railbird Central. Not exactly sure quite exactly what we'll cover on Monday. I'll figure it out over the weekend, and you'll find out on Monday's episode. So, Still got a few things up in the air that I'm trying to iron out before Monday's episode. Uh, But Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. Have a good weekend, folks. Enjoy the Masters Golf Tournament, if you're into that sort of thing. That'll be one of the big things on the sports calendar over the weekend. I know I will. The Frozen Four in hockey as well, final on Saturday. So, All sorts of things to look forward to. But we'll talk Packers on Monday. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caravu. We'll see you later, folks. Have a good Friday. Have a good weekend. I leave you today with a song called Sometimes a River by String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go.